Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. And now, here's Jerry Springer. Thank you very much. Let me... it seems like every, thank you, and it seems like every episode we're doing now, I start off with an apology. I have, my voice has not been fixed since last week, and I'm trying still to shake not it. Still feeling good. So I still sound like a, a frog. Thankfully, I'm still very good looking, but <laughs> I, I sound, I just, I sound awful, and I, I don't feel that way. And I looked in the mirror. I don't look that good either. There you go. Wow, it's but I have no makeup. I didn't break. This actually fits in perfectly with something. I have to admit, I, I did not come here happy tonight because I... Why are you not happy? Well, I've been listening to our podcast, and I'm very happy that... I mean, I, I'm digging them, but I noticed something. I feel that I don't get much talk time in the podcast. Are you serious? Oh, and this is... No. This oh my is God! A, oh, people are driving down the roads just beside themselves, <laughs> saying, "Oh millions, my God, millions of we're not are hearing." Are you delusional? Have yeah. you listened to the same podcast I have? Yeah, I just feel that you guys are constantly jabbering. You've got your little friendship thing going, your chemistry, and you're just over there just talking. You never look over at me. I'm always feeling like I'm pushing into the conversation. You, well, and. Uh, <laughs> I have a. I do have. I mean, honestly, okay. I do have a solution, and okay. maybe it would calm me down. You know, Jerry, we've been friends for forty-five years. I don't know anybody, uh, and you're but, always but talking. I know, but I know always people talking. who know people. Yeah, and I think I can find kind of a savant who somebody who could. A word counter. You've heard of card counters at casinos. Yes. I'd like to bring in somebody. I have somebody that oh. I know or somebody that I know. To count knows how many words to you count talk words. versus. Somebody that would sit with like a legal pad and would put I mean, Megan's have... name, Jerry's name, Jean's name, and would count words. There as has we're to talking. be a way that, our, that our, our guys can do that, can't they? I mean, there has to be something out there that can show what, what's going you on. You think there's some sort of technological Time invention, <laughs> Megan, think, that, whereby we can know that? There's no one Jean. listening to this podcast at this moment, who could care? <laughs> oh, well, that's a fair point. Do but, you think but people I think... are pulling over to on the side <laughs> of the road and saying, He's right. Let me tell you something. About time somebody said. You know, it's funny you should. It's funny you should say that because you could get a call from my therapist because this whole thing came up in my therapy and my therapist says that she doesn't think I'm getting respected, and she brought up Bobby Kennedy again. You used to work for Bobby, God rest his soul, before he died. I believe if Bobby Kennedy was sitting in this chair and we pot up his mic if he was sitting, that would make headlines if Bobby Kennedy spoke right there. But I think that he would say, in fairness, that Gene should be able to have a little more talk time. This was his big issue. (laughs) (laughs) Forget the grape growers, forget the Vietnam War, forget the burning cities. We, I think we can have Gene talk more. Thank you. That's what I want. And that's why I want to be you know, your president. I have to admit something. I'm kind of goofing around with you because I was having an editing session once with David Pruce of Ambient Studios. And David, <laughs> it's funny, he's, he had this big computer screen. Remember this, David? Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, take a look at this. And he said, when you digitally edit, it is represented by a graphic peaks and valleys. Would you say, David, it looks like yeah. mountains and yeah. valleys? Wave and those form. frequency yes, waves, Yes, waveforms, right? yeah. 
What are they called? Waveforms. Waveforms. Wow. I'm talking about the waveforms here, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. It's way technological. And David kept said... kept me up last night. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was my throat. It wasn't. It was the waveforms. Yeah. <laughs> he says the purple is you. That's your mic. And green is Jerry. And blue was Megan. Green is, and, and green he said, is right. That's and I looked me. at it and I went, oh, my God, the purple. That's my waveform. Yes. Was like constantly there. <laughs> It was like too much. No I kidding. Know. So I'm making a commitment. I'm going to kind of <laughs> well, pull we've back been now. we've been going now for about four and a half. I have minutes. said hardly anything, and there's my yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, nice to have you with us. Thank you, Jerry. It's yeah. a pl- Megan, privilege this is, to be here. This is audio only. But what am I holding in my hand, please? You are yeah. holding an iPhone six plus. Six yeah? plus. I just got it. It's yours. I bought it Monday. <laughs> Thank you. And Could you I'm take serious. out the other phone again? Do this very quickly, well, please. This is, this the, is, and this is the phone you make calls this is, on. This is the legit phone. Flip phone. Well, this is what I use for telephone calls. That is what See, I he use. doesn't know. This is a telephone. <laughs> it's an iPhone. iPhone. You, you, <laughs> Thank you. It's actually iPhone. in the title of the product, iPhone. Yeah. iPhone. You hold it up. This is like it's holding up a grammar. computer. <laughs> it's I will call you. It's not iPhone. <laughs> you phone. I answer. Yep. <laughs> what does that mean? I, I have no idea. No, I do this though. Um, I don't know what it's for, but you this big thing. But uh, you can get emails, and the emails can come from different states. Yes, it can. Nice, yeah, all yeah. over. So this Turns. is very advanced. So don't tell me I don't know my. Can't technology. put a stamp on you it. Though. That was, that but was this a flip phone, nothing beats it for telephone calls. You're crazy. I mean, when the call is over, you just. It's over. <laughs> Unbelievable. There are no butt calls or what do you call it? Butt dials. <laughs> butt dials. Yeah. None of that stuff. It's over. You know, and you're not uh, walking down a street with a thing as big as a television set. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear me? <laughs> Jerry went, Jay, Megan, Jerry, when he calls, I swear to God, and he, this is not joking. If he's calling from a city that's farther away, relatively, yeah, I, I he speaks louder. louder. Do you I really? Do. Yeah. I do. My so if he's in an LA, like, hello, Gene. Hey, I'm calling all the way from New York. Yeah, it's true. It's just, when I first yeah. went away to college, my parents called from New York. I was down in uh, New Orleans at Tulane, and my mother would call, hello, Gerald, can you hear me? <laughs> Is this thing on? <laughs> Oh my hey, uh, our partner, I always think of them as the fourth member of the cast, is the Folk School Coffee Parlor yep. yes. here in Ludlow, Kentucky. And uh, that's uh, Catfish Williams. By the way, my nickname is Screen Door Galvin. <laughs> what and, the heck uh, is that? When I went home and talked to my wife about that after the last episode, she said, I, I get why you came up with that name, Screen Door, because you can see right through you. That's and how you she views me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Hey, but I want to ask, Big Dan is the brother of uh, Matt Williams, Catfish Williams, and these guys, before Matt opened Folk School Coffee Parlor, these guys have been doing a folk festival. Jerry, you remember from way back in the day when we were in college, the Newport Folk Festival. Oh, yeah. It was huge, and, yep. and the Newport Jazz Festival. Yeah. The Newport Folk Festival had Joan Baez, Bob Dylan, Pete Seeger, the Weavers, etc. And these guys have formed a uh, folk festival in Friendship, Indiana, correct, Dan? Yes. Called the Whispering Beard. And I just feel that our listeners need to know about it, maybe come to it, and there may mm-hmm. and you have a website as well. Yes, it's uh, whisperingbeard.com. Okay. And when, when is the festival? <coughs> I have the cold. You don't cough. Go ahead. The uh, <laughs> festival is August 27th through 30th. Very nice. 
Yeah. Good. And you've been doing it three years now? Uh, this will be our eighth festival. Wow. That's awesome. And yeah. the good. kinds of groups you get are not just local, regional, correct? Uh, no, we, we started out with um, a lot of local musicians. Uh, that's that's where the idea came from. We wanted to get the the roots of Cincinnati back. And we've sort of uh, expanded from there. Um, we have about 30 or so acts every every year um about half of them will be local and about half of them will be regional and national acts and it's all roots music so we're talking folk music bluegrass and blues uh yes we like to expand every year um just because we we like to challenge our audience to bands that they may not recognize they they trust us with who we bring in um so we like to bring in different types of acts that they may not have recognized or heard, um, but when they come to the festival, it'll blow their socks off. Okay. This is the whole weekend? Uh, it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. Awesome. And when people come, there's camping, correct? Yes. So uh, it's sort of camping. 24-hour day partying, actually, for that long weekend. 20, Wait, really? So it's a real what? festival. It's a real, yeah, real music festival. Yeah. We're not talking. Yeah. Uh, where do you sign up for it? Yeah. <laughs> You're not invited. <laughs> if, if, if we're, Gene, if we're not performing in Charlevoix that week... I'll tell uh, you. We, no, we actually, I think there. we should be there. Yeah. I mean, I hope okay. that we can schedule yeah. it and maybe even uh, do something with a podcast down yeah. there. Yeah. How really big is the that. airport there? <laughs> um, it's the. It depends if they've harvested the corn or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Nice. Oh, that's oh, so, uh, yeah, we'll land the Gulf Stream here and drive down or yeah. okay. something. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I would love some. Wouldn't you love some time to just sit on that plane? We've, the chances never, of we'll us never, ever being in no. the air is no, like zero. No, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. No, but it'd be nice to have the invitation. Just, it's not just the thought. Happen. Hey, Dan, thank you very much. Yeah. And, thank uh, you, Dan. Whispering Beard Folk Festival. Uh, is it called Music Festival or Folk Festival? Folk Festival. And again, the dates are? Uh, August 27th through the 30th. Um, and you can find more information at whisperingbeard.com. Thank you. Woo! Big Dan, will you? Hey, Jerry, I wanted to uh, ask you something uh, that people... Typically, or you'll hear this, particularly in, in some news venues, well, there's a war on Christianity in America, and it's almost like a kind of a, a knee-jerk conservative chant uh, mantra. And uh, you were telling me that you saw a study that's gotten some publicity yeah. in this recent time period about that. And I wanted to ask you to kind of uh, tell us about it and maybe give your viewpoint about that whole topic of is there a war on Christianity in America? The, the quick answer is no, there's not a war on Christianity in America any more than there's a war on any other religion in America. Um, but in the last couple of weeks, as we're recording this, there's the Pew poll that came out, and it's drawing a lot of attention. And the Pew poll in 2007, and they polled thousands and thousands of people, so this is a huge sample, to ask Americans how they identified themselves in terms of religion, and to either name the religion or if or if they're agnostic or atheist or whatever particular religion or just not that active or whatever. In 2007, 78% of Americans identified themselves as Christians. Last year, 2014, seven years later, that number is now down to 70%, which, if you just looked at the number, seems pretty significant that suddenly 70% of Americans consider themselves Christian. There's no other, I mean, about 4% consider themselves 
you know, identifies Jews, some as 1% as Islam or whatever. But the great increase has been among those who don't identify with any particular religion. That does not mean that they don't believe in God, they just don't identify with any particular religion. Now, first of all, the question you ask when you see that headline is, you know, is it accurate? And my thought is, it's probably accurate, but it doesn't tell the story. What I mean by that is, I don't know that there are any more people living in America who don't consider themselves Christian than before. I just think with social media, it has now become more acceptable to express yourself and say, yeah, you know, I was raised a Christian, I was raised a Catholic, I was raised a Jew or whatever, but you know, now I'm not sure what I believe. In other words, before it was socially unacceptable to ever say you, you were an atheist. You know, there was a time 20, 30 years ago with um, Madeline. Yeah, Madeline O'Hara. O'Hara, right. That, you know, people were literally stoned for, in public for saying that uh, they, you know, didn't believe in God. So nowadays, there's so much information out there and so many more people, because they don't have to identify themselves on the Internet, you know, they use whatever their names, you know, fake names are. And so when other people who may not be that religious see other people, particularly young people their age, saying, yeah, I'm not so sure I, you know, believe in what that particular religion is saying or what my parents are telling me, they feel more comfortable saying it themselves. So I think part of what we're seeing here is really just a change in the times, is that that figure probably always was the case when I say always, last 30, 40, 50 years, is that people are just more open now about saying they don't identify with a particular church. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. And what is happening has nothing, not so much to do with religion, but because of social media today, I believe all institutions, particularly by a younger generation, are being challenged by skepticism, if nothing else. We just don't believe the government that much anymore. We don't necessarily believe our school administrators so much anymore. We don't necessarily listen to our parents as much as we should anymore. There's so much more information out there and opinions being expressed that it becomes easier and easier not to accept as gospel, this is the way it is. So that, I think, is, is the first thing. But the next question I come up with is, okay, so what does it matter? What does it matter? Now, I happen to believe in God, and my parents were Jewish, so I was raised with Jewish traditions. I know very well that if my parents had been Catholic, I would have been raised with Catholic traditions. It's not like at two years old I suddenly said, this is how it happened. You know, 95% of us, to the extent that we have a religious affiliation or a belief as a young person, is because what our parents do with us. Do they take us to church on Sunday mornings? Do we celebrate Christmas? Do we celebrate Hanukkah? You know, what traditions do you have in your family? And that's, without thinking, you say, yep, you check it off in an application blank. That's my religion. But it's not really a thoughtful debate. And certainly, 
Religion should not be a poll. Religion is not an election. You could be the only person in the world that believes in Jesus Christ, and your faith is just as valid. You, you aren't a Christian because more people believe in it right now. You know, if, if, if it was a, let's take a vote to verify your beliefs, then you don't really believe it very much. You're waiting for someone else to tell you, yeah, you're with the winning side, rah, rah. You know, I think when it comes to religion, when numbers matter, people die. I mean, when all of a sudden the most important thing is to make sure people have our religion, we have wars. We have all kinds of horrible headlines you read about. And whether it's, quote, radical Islam, whether it's fundamentalist, whether it's uh, a Jewish group, a Christian, whatever the group is, if the goal is you're going to believe as I believe, eventually there'll be conflict. And that's not an opinion It's just a reading of history. So I just wonder, rather than jumping all over this pew poll and all the articles that are coming out now, and people saying, see, there's a war against Christianity, and why, why is there suddenly a decline? And if you are a religious person, it should not matter to you. It's faith. You believe what you believe. I gotta tell you, I have, I really don't know, I mean, if, if you held a gun to my head, I'd say, yes, there's a God. Some power created all of this. And because my family tradition is Jewish, I will use those traditions to thank God for this incredible life we have. So I think it is important to teach our kids to be appreciative, to be thankful. And so I'm not one of those that's saying, ah, look down on people who are fundamentalist or look down on people who are religious. No. In fact, I would even argue, and I've said this in prior elections, I remember when Sarah Palin was first selected by McCain in 08. When she was first selected, there was almost from our side, the liberal side, Democratic side, there was almost like an elitism, a snobbery. We didn't yet know about competency with, with Sarah Palin. It was, it was kind of like, oh, she's fundamentalist and she's got those crazy views and stuff like like we were looking down on a person for really having faith. And I'm saying that's dangerous. That's dangerous. You want to not like Sarah Palin because of her policies or because of her competency, but if we start making fun of middle America, if we start making fun, quote, of Kentucky, and oh, those hicks, those whatever, and it happens, the most powerful force in politics is resentment. Once people resent the way you treat them, you will never win an argument to get them back. It doesn't matter how logical you are. They know deep inside you're making fun of them. You don't really respect them. You think they're less. And that could do with race. It could do with geography. It could do with income level. That kind of snobbery has to stop. So I bring this full circle to say, It doesn't matter how many people consider themselves of a particular faith. If that is your faith and that's what you believe, God bless you. You know, uh, I'll add one other factor, maybe raise one more question, Jerry. In the Catholic Church, 
uh, 10, 12, 15 years ago, and it's sort of ongoing. We might be at the tail end of it. I hope we are. Has suffered this huge scandal of priests abusing children, Mm -hmm. largely guy priests abusing young boys. And it was unbelievable that that happened. And I know just from reading things that church attendance, Catholic membership, drop like a rock, not totally down to nothing, but it really cut into them. My God, donations, tithing. My, my mother, an Italian Catholic, was so upset. They were, my family was so upset. And they felt so betrayed by the Catholic Church. I think the numbers, and it was just indicative of every, what everybody else felt. Yep. And therefore, people, uh, I imagine if you ask somebody a poll question who is a Catholic, there could be some residual effect of that as well. Absolutely. Then you get another, there's another thing I was thinking about is we were thinking about talking about this is that uh, TV evangelists have probably not helped either to cause some people to kind of step back because, uh, you know, the Jim, Jim and Tammy Baker and others, uh, hypocrisies that are glaring that people uh, then say, I just don't want to be associated with that. You know, there's a famous quote from a play called Hadrian the Seventh, which is, I don't hate the faith, I hate the faithful. In other words, these sins that I'm now dropping here on the table are sins of men, uh, of men, sometimes women as well, but sins of human beings. And the, the doctrine of these faiths, whether it's uh, Allah or uh, Judaism, Catholicism, Christianity, is a, for the most part a pretty darn good message. But some, as soon as you intermingle human beings with it, uh, some pretty crazy things can happen. Mm-hmm. So well yeah, it's a pretty interesting, uh, I think it will cause those who want to try to make money on certain newscasts of saying, I mean, there are some, uh, Fox News is famous for this. It's, yeah, there's a war on Christmas, a war on Christians. And uh, yeah, it's usually aligned from a business plan that it is uh, journalistic truth. Yeah, uh, and, well, and it's become a political force. Mm-hmm. And politicians are using it to get a wedge issue and get people to vote for them. And you which, wonder if that, you know, there are some people who hate the politicization of religion. Right. And and that can cause some people to step back. And it really falls to young people to see whether those numbers are dropping. Where A lot of young people say, ah, I don't want. And it, my, I have a daughter who is very spiritual and I think, and I don't want to speak for her, but I think it's safe to say she wouldn't mind me saying that she really struggles with organized religion, yeah. with institutional religion, not not her belief system. And and I put her into a younger generation. And I'm, the, I'm exactly the same way, raised Catholic. I, I know what I believe in, but I do have trouble with aligning myself with an organized religion. And I think amongst my amongst my friends, it's a very common conversation that we have. Yep. Well, throughout history and even recently. Um, Various churches have be, have been very political, mm-hmm. and they had to because that's how they kept power and kept an existence. Yep. So they had a deal with whoever was in power. Usually, they did it through education. I know that's true of the Catholic Church in the in South America. That with a lot of these dictatorships, the church has remained the one institution um, that the dictators don't mess with. And the trade-off is we will take care of educating the masses, but, you know, you leave us alone, and the church agrees not to try to topple the dictators. It certainly was the case with the Pope in Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fall of communism, let's be honest, it, you know, it was the Pope and Gorbachev as much as anybody. I know 
we Americans always like to say, well, we did it, you know, you know, Reagan did it or whatever, and they made some smart decisions, but please, uh, you know, communism fell from within. Mm -hmm. And if we had just believed what we, what we were preaching about communism, see, we didn't believe what we were saying. We were saying it's a corrupt system, it'll fall apart, but yeah. we didn't believe it, so we kept building more and more missiles. If we would have just believed it, it, it would collapse just as it did because it's it not did. viable. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think how to transition from a discussion of religion over to simply Dan's string band. There's absolutely and the no only way. Thing, <laughs> and the one thing I was yeah. thinking, Megan, is that you and I, as we Catholics do, we speak in code and we'll speak Latin. If they would do Tom Tamergo, do you remember Tom Tamergo? <laughs> That then that would sort of bring this bring it all together. It's not circle no. around. So you don't happen. know Haba Nagila. <laughs> <laughs> um, our musical guest tonight, and we always look forward to this. Always a root singer, in this case uh, a, a group, and a songwriter. And we have with us uh, tonight Dan, uh, who is, and it's uh, Dan Van uh, Vechten. Yep. And uh, Dan's group is called Simply Dan String Band. Yep. And uh, they're going to do a song, and after you do it, Dan, we'd like to chat with you for a sure. few minutes here about uh, the song and uh, your background, etc. Uh, what song are you going to do, Dan? This is a song called Get Right. Get Right. Mm. Sounds religious. Perfect. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's... Um, take a second to make sure I'm in tune again. I've been doing the, the 52 Week Club at Full School Parlor since it started. In and let me mention what that is. So the 52 Week Club is a gathering of people. They're here every night when we come in on a Tuesday evening for the uh, Jerry Springer podcast, mm -hmm. Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery. And it's a group of songwriters who use the structure of a weekly prompt, a word or a phrase or sentence to write a song. And Dan and I were talking before uh, this podcast that uh, and you used a good analogy if you're an artist and every week your art teacher says, gives you a topic to draw a picture of, let's say, or paint a picture. So it's a great discipline, a great structure to do it. Yeah. So keep talking. So you, did uh, this song come out of that by any chance? Yeah, um, the topic, we'll, um, we'll throw a topic in, topics into a hat, everybody that's in the group. Yep. And we pull one out and that becomes the topic for the next week. So it can be a challenge if you if you really draw a blank when you first see it. And sometimes you get it and everybody is ready to run. The only unwritten rule we give each other is you can't use it to finish the song you already started. But there's no rule against going into your notebook and finding all the scraps of things that might relate. So the topic that we drew that week was black and white. And um, the idea of uh, if you ain't right, get right was, was a line that I'd heard somebody say to somebody. Most of the things in this song are things that I'd written down over the course of months and then eventually you know, I found stuff that really... But that's what this one is. So I wanted to play this one tonight because it was from the Folk School Parlor. This is one of the ones okay. we did for this. Ready?
and I believed her She believed that it was true She couldn't trust her ticker and her timer's out of tune I said I don't know what to say or what you're hoping I would do But if I feel for you right now I should feel more concerned than you If you ain't right Get yourself right Great, guys. That's the Simply Dan String Band. They're from Cincinnati, Ohio. Their website is simplydanstringband.com. Yep. Uh, on mandolin, we had Will Kimball and John Kastetter on bass. And uh, Dan, tell me something. You've t talked about where the song came from. Are you a full-time musician and songwriter? Or what's your life full of? My life is pretty well balanced. I climbed a career path in higher education as an administrator, and I was... Um, I was a dean at a local college and worked all the time and felt like I wasn't in the right place. And I, I loved all the, th the fundamentals of why I was there, but it just didn't feel like me. And I left that job thinking I was going to go find something else. And I would occupy my time by going to open mics. And I started meeting some of these people that were writing songs. And uh, I was raised on folk and old country. So uh, I made friends with people who, I mean, I just, my timing couldn't have been better. I just lucked into finding a real couple of really good open mics that drew really good players that are in bands all around. And I met, you know, I know just about everybody who's been playing for these. In fact, Pat Kennedy, who does the theme song for this, yep. that song sounds the way it does because I basically crawled in Pat's back pocket for about a year and nice. learned all the songs that he would show me. And, um, and so when we play out, we play three or four of his songs and we play a lot of songs that are written within 10 miles of here because I'm so submerged in just wanting to learn how to be a songwriter and how do these guys do what they do. So when I found a part-time job, I was very satisfied because by then I was playing a lot of music and so now I'm starting to really get a little traction with it. And, and so What a I, great story. So part of my day is as an academic advisor at Cincinnati State um, Community College and what I love about it is that 
uh, I relate to those students more than I've related to students since I, you know, since I was younger. You know, it was a lot easier to relate to their college experience. And now I see students all the time who are my age or not, but they're all in phases of life where they really want to do something different. And I can relate to that again. And so I have a really cool balance in, in life being able to do this. It's a good story. It's a good yeah. story. Would you mind taking us out uh, with the singing of a song that's become sort of uh, our closing theme song? It's yeah. an old song, old public domain song. Irene Goodnight by Hootie Ledbetter. This is uh, the Simply Dan String Band. Listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery, sponsored by the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Hope to see y'all again real soon. One second before we get. Do you have a count on how many words Gene said versus how many words I said? Uh, yeah. It looks like from the uh, graph that I'm looking at, Megan was speaking uh, about 20% of the time, Jerry about 30%, and then the remaining 50%. That's right. Yeah. See? I demand a recount. I want my word counter in here. You all come back now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs>